Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. All right, welcome back to another live edition of the MedTech Talent Lab here on uh, LinkedIn and other, hopefully other social media platforms, but it's Mitch Robbins and Adam Soppy coming to you each and every week, excuse me, 11 o'clock Pacific, two o'clock Eastern. If I seem like I'm off my game today, I am. I'm feeling a little under the weather. I've got my cough drops in. I've got my tea sitting here. So not myself today, but- uh, One of my kids is sick, as you saw, I'm probably yeah. walked in here too. Everyone's, everyone's getting the virus. Uh, cold and flu season, I guess, late in the year this year. But uh, at least give it to us that we're, we're staying consistent. We're coming to you regardless, right? Yeah. Um, guys, if you're checking this out for the first time, we're, we're here from a company called the Anthony Michael Group. We're veteran headhunters uh, in our own rights. We serve the life sciences, primarily medical device, digital health, and diagnostic sectors to help organizations build high-performing technical teams, areas like regulatory affairs and quality engineering, some of the other functions on the technical side. Simultaneous to this live podcast that we do on LinkedIn every single Wednesday, we run a recorded version where we have interviewed a variety of leaders from the industry on so many cool topics, all related to talent, with a lot more scheduled uh, to come. Uh, so thanks for being here, or thanks for watching this back. We're going to jump in and talk about, again, what I had posted about is one of the most overused, overrated, poorly articulated buzz phrases in the employment industry, and that is work-life balance. What I had promised, though, in our earlier post I put on LinkedIn is that I would share a link to our live uh, session. So, Adam, if you want to kind of get us started while I put this link in the comments, that'd be awesome. You bet. And I think it is. It's definitely overused. And I think for two reasons. I think one, you know, candidates or people that are job seekers bring it up because they think they need to bring it up. They hear everyone else talking about work-life balance. So they're like, well, I better advocate for myself. And, and I understand that. But I do think it's poorly articulated. It, 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 it's ended up being a catch-all. Like, hey, I want work-life balance. Well, who does it, right? Who wants to work 100-hour weeks um, and never get to see their family or friends or, you know, have, in, have no, no social life at all? Of course not, right? But let's, let's really drill down. And that's one thing I always try to push back tactfully on when folks tell me, you know, hey, you know, what are your top two or three priorities if you were to consider making a move? And, and work-life balance is number one find out one, is this a person that's, you know, the last two years, maybe they're gaming the system. Maybe they're watching, you know, Ellen during the day when they should be working and they don't want to get caught when they're in the office now. And I think that's probably a small percentage of people or, or is it just a matter of, Hey, I want to protect myself and make sure I'm not, you know, going into something and, you know, not having any work-life balance or integration. So I'm excited to jump into that a little bit further, you know, with today's show. Yeah, let's do it. You know, I, the reason I say and the reason I'm kind of emotional about this meeting that I have a, a stance and it hits me emotionally is that work life balance. It means so many different things to so many people. It's not just like good culture. What does good culture mean? Yeah. You know, when you ask candidates what's important, I want to work in a good culture. You're good. Who does, who does somebody's it? Somebody's right? terrible yeah. culture. Right. Yeah. And so we want to kind of just take this head on today and, and try and distill from this phrase. What does it mean? What exactly are you trying to get at when you say I want a work-life balance or I need work-life balance? 
And how do you ask for it tactfully, right? Either in your current organization or as you're interviewing. And then how do you go get it? Ultimately, how how do you get it? Right. So offline, uh, before we got on the show, you were saying something like, hey, and if you said it earlier on the show, I apologize. But, you know, to somebody, work-life balance means leaving at 12 o'clock to go walk the dog. That's their work-life balance. Uh, Yeah. Or leaving at 430 because they have a yoga class to catch. To them, that's work-life balance. Others say, look, I am not putting in an ounce over 40 hours a week. I enjoy my personal time. I don't care. I'm working eight to five, nine to five, whatever it is, and then I need to go home and have my life. Some people say, I'm okay with working 80-hour work week because we had an unexpected audit come up or whatever it may be, and all hands on deck, we got to do what we got to do. But then the following week, guess what? I'm going to lighten the load a little bit and kind of gain back some of my personal time that yep. I lost the previous week. Yep. Yeah, and and that's why I think work-life integration is maybe a more accurate term than work-life balance because, you know, balance by definition is 50-50 or if you have the, you know, we've all done the wheel, ideal wheel where spirituality and health and and work and family and everything there, well, if they're all equal, then the the tires rolling down down the road. If it's flat, meaning you're working 100-hour weeks and you don't talk to your friends, you haven't returned their calls in two months, and you don't see your family, and you haven't worked out in two months, and you haven't gone to church or synagogue or, or the mountains to connect spiritually or whatever else, holy cow, this is a bad recipe, you know, so it has to be balanced. However, like you said, if there's an audit coming up on Friday, guess what? It is all hands on deck. We can't necessarily, you know, it's going to be a heavy week. It just is. You know, it might be a 70, 80 hour week. But to your point, then maybe next week, the, the week, the, you know, it kind of lightens up. And I do think that's what a lot of folks mean when they tell me I want work-life balance. I haven't talked with a regulatory person that doesn't get that. Hey, when it's go time, when we're launching a commercial product, when we have a FDA coming in or whatever else, like we got to do it. It's yep. time sensitive. I think what they're trying to protect themselves from, hey, I've been in a situation where I was working 62-hour weeks for 18 months in a row. That's not sustainable for me. I'm getting burned out. I'm getting grumpy and you know everything's suffering. So that's what I mean. So that, that's where you really need to distill that to find out what the expectations are up front and make sure you had voiced that. So then if it gets off, you can go back to HR or go back to the hiring manager and say, hey, you remember in April when we talked, work-life integration or work-life balance was important to me. We discussed the, you know, the scenario or what the expectations are. So far, seven months in, it hasn't been that way. And maybe yeah. somebody quit. Maybe there's extraneous uh, circumstances, but at least try to recalibrate and get back to what your expectations expectations were on day one. So let's talk about uh, what it is and how do you figure out what this means to you? Look at your life recently over the last couple of years. You know, has do you feel like for the most part it's been in balance? In the sense that, hey, I work regularly 50, 55 hours a week. That's just my, that's what I do. And then, you know, I kind of run my life around that. Or is it, hey, for the last couple of years, I've worked 40 hours a week. That's kind of how I run my life. That's what I want. Because that does start to tie into company cultures. If the company culture is, hey, we say 40 hours, but we're really all here 50 hours. Okay, that's not a place you want to be because that just is, you're fighting a uh, unwinnable battle, right? If a company is preaching, hey, we really pride ourselves on making sure we don't burn our employees out and we do want this some sort of flexible. Another buzz lately is not remote work, it's flexible work schedule. And what they're really trying to say is, yes, we want you in the office sometimes. Yes, you can work from home sometimes. But really kind of distilling down, what do you want? Are you okay with, the set of hours. Are you okay with flexing when it's really go time? You you know it's just going to be lopsided, and or the balance is going to be shifted towards work. 
But then there's other times where your company is super flexible with you and you get to go on vacation for two weeks straight and not be taking phone calls on the fly. So I think really trying to ask yourself, what does it mean? Anything from, hey, I got to leave my desk or the office every day at 12 because we have to let our dog out. Or I have to be at the doctor at nine o'clock in the morning, so I'm not going to be until work at 11. Do I have to be micromanaged or can I just do this? What does it mean to you? I think it's step number one. Don't you agree? Yeah. yeah and, and micromanagement is the, the one topic I wanted to bring up here. And shoot, you know, we woke up this morning and one of our kids is sick. So all of a sudden now, hey, he's going to be home. And that work-life balance is huge. It's hugely valuable for a parent like myself versus scrambling to find childcare or something else uh, last minute. So that piece of it's incredibly valuable. I think from talking with folks over the past, especially in the past two years, I think what they're trying to get to is the autonomy. I want to have the trust from my leadership team and my colleagues, you know, my team as well to know that I'm getting my work done, but I'm not, I don't want to be micromanaged to do that. So if to your point, if I need to walk the dog at noon, or if I need to leave at 815 to bring my kid to school, and then I'll jump right back on, or if I need to, or if I want to rather go to a yoga class every third day or every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at three o'clock. And then I log back on at eight o'clock at night and finish up that, um, that work, then that's great. You know, and that's the work-life integration where again, it's, you know, it's, it's a flow, it's a free flow. And I think that's really what most people are trying to articulate when, when I try to distill what it is they're looking for. And I say, good news, unless your hiring manager is totally unreasonable. And if that's the case, you don't want to work there anyway, they're going to say, yeah, no problem. Come in an hour early. So you beat the Bay Area traffic or the Boston Cambridge traffic and then leave an hour early. I don't care. That's fine. Or, hey, if you have a doctor, an ongoing chiropractor appointment every Wednesday, great. Yeah. Excuse yourself, come back in and we're good. Like, And we just know, we, you know you're not going to be in that meeting. I think people are, especially now, maybe going back into the office a little bit more unrealistic on on what they they think the expectations might be. I, I think they're fearful in in a way that when they talk when they clearly articulate this to the hiring manager that they'll figure out yeah all good let's work through this schedule. So you said two super relevant things uh, right at the end. I feel like this topic is so relevant right now because a lot of organizations are trying to figure out a way that they could get their staff back for some FaceTime. Yeah. Yeah. That's a day a week, three days a week, five days a week. They want FaceTime somehow. It's pretty yes. clear how many organizations are wanting to have some sort of quote unquote flexible work schedule versus 100% remote, especially if they weren't doing remote prior to COVID. Right. And and you made a brilliant point that I think people are forgetting one, hey, I used to work in the office full time. Right. Just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And two, I think they are worried about like, what is this? I'm going to lose all my, I can't go to the kitchen when I'm hungry and I can't, (laughs) you know, go outside and catch some sunshine for a few minutes and and not have to tell anybody that's what I'm doing. And I think they're forgetting that if organizations are not, again, I'm going to use this word, if they're not flexible with people today, given what's going on in the job market, they'll just leave. They'll just leave this. So now is the most relevant opportunity to bring this to the attention of the hiring team, of HR, whatever. Maybe you have the opportunity in an organization to really shape the culture moving forward. I'm not talking about multi-billion dollar organizations, but mid-sized companies. Why wouldn't you be able to potentially have a voice of reason and a voice of influence when they're trying to figure out how to recruit and retain talent right now? They want people in the office. And this is important to you. It's probably important to everybody else as well, right? Yeah. And so try yeah. number one, knowing what you want. Number two, making a case for how it can still work. Give them what they want. You're there a few days a week. But what you need is the flexibility to run your own life. Yeah. And I would push back even with a global multi-billion dollar company, you might not be able to influence, you know, the whole policy. However, 
you can influence that on your team, you know, like your regulatory affairs manager or director is going to be like, cool, this is how RA works now. And if we don't do this, we're going to lose out on on talent across the board. So yeah, I think there's definitely a way to, to even plan out, like, here's what the week looks like. And at yep. the end of the day, if you're getting your work done, I don't know any hiring manager that's going to have a problem with that. And I don't think yeah. they're going to, they don't like the mic. Most people don't like to micromanage people anyway, or they don't have the time to anyway. So they're like, cool, if you want to walk your dog, Twice a week, a day. I don't care if right. you're getting your stuff done. And we we hit our timelines and we're hitting on, on budget. And my boss is not on my back. Then we're good. We're good right. to go. Well, that's just it. And you know, guys, those of you listening live, we'd love your opinion. What do you think about this? What do you think about the the phrase? Uh, how it's utilized and what it really means? What does it mean to you? What do you think about what we're saying here as far as how to really kind of distill what you want when you say work life balance and how to go yep. get it with your team? So we've talked about kind of how to get what or how to distill what you, what you mean by that. We've talked about that. It's funny. There's a parallel with so many of our uh, episodes that we've done and it all centers around communication. If you don't bring this up, you get nowhere. If you just keep it to yourself and assume that's the biggest trouble uh, you can ask for is just assuming things. Now let's say that you've had the conversation and they can't give you what you want and you really appreciate the organization. You've been there for a while, but they just can't flex on the things that are are important to you that you kind of had through the COVID uh, period. Guess what? At least now you know, and now you're clear on what you want. You're clear on the fact that they can't give it to you. Now you can move forward with uh, clear with no conscience. Clear yeah. conscience. Yeah. yeah. And that's a good point. You you mentioned COVID, and that's one I guess a nuance too. I think a lot. So a lot of people in our space have made a move in the last two years during COVID, and some for their second move right now. Yeah. So. That, I think it's two camps. One is, like you said, hey, we used to work in the office. It was fine. Yep. Great. I think the additional concern or added concern are the folks that have been hired in the last 18 or 20 months, 24 months, where they've never been in the office with this new company. They haven't even met most of the people. Yep. So I think they're they're extra cognizant to protect themselves and say, okay, you know, it's been great these last two years. I want to make sure when we do go into that hybrid scenario where I'm in the office three days a week or home. I'm, you know, I'm advocating for myself. So I think that's, that's maybe where some of the concerns come well, from. That's, well, that's great. So that's the flip side of this. So let, so that they are, you're saying that they're in the process of interviewing and they want to make sure that they have the flexibility that they're looking for, or that somebody's approaching them to interview for a job, but they're thinking, oh, because I have in the office, I'm not going to get what I want. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm just saying a lot of the people now, that's one scenario for sure. For sure. Th- this is all new. So they're thinking automatically. I have to be in there at my desk at eight o'clock because it, it is, you know, talking with people that there have been some archaic, <laughs> antiquated deals and and some, you know, companies that just have that culture of micromanagement. You're at your desk at eight. You're physically sometimes signing in. They know when you go to the restroom. They know when you go out for lunch. They know whatever. They know if you're on the meeting or not on the meeting. They know when you leave. So, you know, you kind of push back on that and say, let's, <laughs> that seems, seems, uh, old school. But I think part of it is too, because it's been new. And and shoot, imagine if you're 25 years old, 26 years old, this is kind of all you've known. You get yeah. out of college and then this is all you know. So you're like, I don't even know what this scenario is. They want me to go into this big box. And uh, yeah. and does that mean I ha- I'm tethered to my chair? Well, no, it's not. But you just, again, it's like you said, it's all down to communication. So have, have that transparent conversation with your manager and manager hiring managers out there, be proactive and do a good job. Everyone's, you know, just like we we hear culture and everything else, work-life balance is something you're touting already on your company's website. So be able to clearly articulate that to folks you're interviewing and be able to clearly articulate that to people on your team 
um, and recognize the nuance. It's, it means different things to different people. And all your marketing material, like the job posting and all that. And, the, you know, everybody's on this kick of putting up on LinkedIn and asking, you know, for referrals and stuff and broadcasting that they're hiring. Make that a focal point. Hey, flexible work schedule is on everybody's mind. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means to XYZ company. Here's what we do. If you got any yeah. questions, you know, we're on open book. We'd love to talk with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And really making that a focal point of your recruiting strategy. So I yep. think uh, that's pretty good for today. Don't you think, Adam? Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. It's, it's It comes down to autonomy, clearly articulate both sides. And if if both parties are being realistic or reasonable, rather, I don't see any reason why why you can't you can't make it work. And, if, really and if it's not reasonable, call us and we'll help you find your new next up. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. Because there's another company out there that that would be more real uh, reasonable for you. Absolutely. So let's wrap up by uh, one last time asking if anybody's got any questions or thoughts on this, if anybody chimes in on the comments live. And then also we're going to make a, uh, another announcement about hashtag brass, Bold Regulatory Affairs Specialist Society. We're running uh, an underground community that's not on social media right now. You need to log in. It's no cost to get in. You just we need to hear from you that you are a regulatory affairs specialist, senior specialist or principal specialist. In MedTech, what's in it for you as far as joining? Well, one, it's a peer-to-peer group. So people are going through the exact same journey that you are, asking questions of each other and advice. Two, we've got on-staff regulatory experts as mentors and residents available for a question and answer five days a week. Uh, We're going to bring together panels of leaders who have been there, done that, what they look for when they hire, when they promote, what they would have done differently in their career, how they got to where they are. Live virtual happy hours, the whole nine yards. There's a flushed out end-to-end career course in there available to you. So if you or someone you know is a regulatory affairs specialist in med tech, certainly uh, give us a heads up. We'll get you a login right away to the Bold Regulatory Affairs Specialist Society. I don't see any comments coming up on my phone, which means I think we are good to go until cool. to be able to sign off until uh, next week, my friend. All righty. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.